Praise God. Well, today I'm so grateful to be here with each and every one of you as we get to celebrate another Sunday together, being able to come to the house of God to worship him. And I just want to um, share this with you before I dive into the message today is that I believe that God's desire is to call us to, into deeper relationship with him. And he has so much more that he wants to release to each and every one of us as we grow in our hunger for him. And so one of the things that I want to shamelessly plug here is that um, I want to encourage you <clears throat> to consider making some time to join us on Monday night for prayer from 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. online. We have our, our link, it's on our website for people to come and join with us. I know it can be challenging and difficult at times for people, but I believe this, if you want to experience God, you, you need to pray. Prayer is a key. And one of the things that God has been challenging me with is how do we really learn to pray? You know, in our culture, in our society, uh, many times we look at prayer as something that we do ourselves. It's a personal thing. Do you know that that really is a North American idea? That really when the Bible was written, as you see it's written to the church, it addressed communities, groups of people. And so before they actually had the word of God, they came together to receive instruction, receive training, and they learned how to pray together. And so I wanna encourage you, to, uh, if you uh, uh, to come and join with us because I wanna help you learn how not to have a boring prayer life, amen? I mean, who, nobody wants a boring prayer life. And I believe that group prayer is where we learn how to pray more effectively. We glean things, we take things, we learn things from each other. And so I wanna encourage you to do that, hallelujah. Are you excited? Does that encourage you here today? I hope it does, because I believe that God has so much more for each and every one of us. And, uh, and so uh, my name is Pastor Todd, along with my wife, Jan. We are the lead pastors here. And so I wanna welcome everybody to church today, especially those who are as well online. We're glad that you're joining with us. And we're gonna just have a, a, a great time here in the word of God. And today I'm gonna continue our series called The Father's Heart. It's called The Spirit of Adoption, part two. I started the first part last week and we talked about how God wants to take us from slaves to sons. He wants us to understand that we are no longer slaves, but now we are his sons and daughters in Christ Jesus. In fact, it says this in Ephesians chapter one, verse five, it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us through Jesus Christ this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Well, today I want to talk about the spirit of adoption part two, and it's called From Orphans to Overcomers. And we're going to talk today a little bit more about what it means to, but where the, the idea of orphans comes from, how that each one of us, if we're not careful, can take on an orphan mindset. Well, as we learned last week, we are no longer slaves, but we're part of the family of God through the blood of Jesus Christ, and that we gain salvation by re being, being reborn again. Well, today, I'm gonna start off with a story to, as we go into this message. And it's the story is like this. When my son was, was, was one year old, I've, I volunteered to um, be a chaperone for his class field trip to the zoo. And I've, I've gotta say this as a parent, uh, this is a story that I'm not proud of. Some of you, uh, I, I've shared it in the past, but I just felt like it was really appropriate today. But when he was 
in grade one, I volunteered to be a chaperone for his field trip to the zoo. And when I arrived at this school, I was informed, like many parents are, that I was going to lead a group that included my son and his classmates. Now, I've learned over the years that being assigned a small group of your children's peers is a great way for your teacher to let you participate for a couple hours in their daily struggles with teaching your own children. It's kind of a little bit of a a look into their world where they get to go, hey, this is what I do all the time. I want to share this with you if you've forgotten what it's like. And so for all my, uh, our teachers out there, my heart is with you. I see you, I believe in you. You understand exactly what I'm talking about. But I don't know about you, but I do love going to the zoo. Who here likes going to the zoo? It's a, it's a fun place. It's a great place. I still like the animals. So when we arrived, we received our passes, and we we're off to all of what I call the little dude exhibits. We saw the lions, the tigers. Of course, we had to visit the snakes, the hippos, and of course, the monkeys, And after a good hour or so, the boys were hungry. I mean, they're always hungry, aren't they? And so we stopped at the, uh, if you've been to the Calgary Zoo, the massive playground that they have in the middle, and and, and we ate lunch, and I let the kids play for a bit. Well, then it was getting close to our time to to leave, and so I promised the the, the boys, hey, if they behaved themselves, they did what they were supposed to do, I, I would get them a treat. I'm telling you, I am not against bribery. Uh, it, it's, it, it works. It's called reward system. It's how we work, right? They bribe us with the paycheck every day, so that's it. We understand it. And, and, and so I promised if they behave, I'd buy them some ice, ice cream, and so we did that. And so as they, the boys were finishing their treat, and we were about to leave out of nowhere, a massive rain shower hit. I mean, I am talking massive, like a cloudburst where it just, the heavens opened up. It was extreme. Now, the challenge was, is that we had to leave. We needed to leave. There was a time that we were given. We had to be there. And I I know for all my leaders that have done day camps and things, I mean, those time things, those are a big deal, getting everybody rounded up, herded up. And so so, so I said to them, look, guys, we, we were under the cover. I said, we're going to have to run for it. So I want you to zip up, close up, cover up, whatever you need to do. We are going to run for the exit of the zoo. And so run we did. And I mean, we made record time. I believe it was a record if they were timing it. And so... I got there and I was feeling incredibly good. Look, we, we, we made it through the rainstorm. We were, we were on time and it, it was all good except I realized I was missing one of my kids. My own son. Now, now, now to be honest, if you're going to forget a child on a field trip, it's better that you forget your own kid versus somebody else's. But still, it was not a good moment. It was a parent failure alert. It was like code red. And so after alerting the teacher, I ran back to the covered area to find my son. And this is heartbreaking. He was sobbing. Sobbing because he'd felt he'd been abandoned and that dad was never coming back. Now, I would like to say that this was just a a funny story, but there were some longer term impacts to this. My wife could vouch for that. That this event actually impacted our son greatly for many years. In fact, if we were out grocery shopping or we were at, uh, in a place where there was a crowd of people and somehow he lost sight of us, he would have panic attacks, he'd have anxiety. 
because he wondered if we somehow were gonna leave him no matter how many times we told him that we would never, ever do that. And somehow if we did, we would come back for him. Here's what I want to share today. Fear of abandonment is real and it impacts people controlling the way that they live, the way that they relate to people and many times, especially how they relate to God. For those who have been abandoned by a parent or a spouse or a close friend, there is a fear that you must overcome. It's something if you, as you go into other relationships, if you don't deal with it, it will impact the way that you relate to other people. And, and, and this, this fear that we have can lead to a mindset and it can impact the way that we, we not only view our friends and our family, but it can impact how we see God. And it can lead to what I call an orphan mindset or an orphan spirit. So here's the reality. Regardless of whether you've been, you've had the best family or suffered uh, from neglect, the orphan spirit seeks to limit and control everyone. So what is an orphan? Now this is gonna be really, seem like really like right there in your face, but it goes, those whose parents are dead. See, orphans are disconnected from the blessing that comes from belonging to their family. To be an orphan was considered a curse in Bible days because there was no connection to birthright, legacy, or true family. And so that's why Jesus declares in John chapter 14, verse 18, he says, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. What Jesus is really declaring is that he will never leave us or forsake us as he says in Hebrews 13, five, but through Jesus, each one of us, through relationship with him, we are now no longer orphans. We are no longer disconnected, not just from our family, which is what we probably can understand and relate to, but more importantly, we're no longer disconnected from God, our father. And when we accept the healing and forgiveness of, the, 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 of Jesus and embrace him as our leader and rescuer, we are no longer estranged from God as an orphan, but are adopted into his family as sons and daughter. And I'm here to tell you today, if you have a relationship with Jesus, with God through Jesus Christ, you are no longer an orphan. You're not a slave, but you're a son or daughter of the most high king. Amen? Woo. That is a good spot. And it's why Jesus makes this promise to us. He says, I will never abandon you. I am never gonna leave you. Maybe you've had other people abandon you. Maybe through, through things that you couldn't control, maybe through sickness or health or accident uh, that, that they've left you. But I want you to know today, I am never gonna leave you or abandon you as an orphan, but will always be there for you. And here's what the reality is that most of us will struggle, struggle at times with an orphan mindset. You see, an orphan spirit comes the result of what I call a spiritual injury. Either that is perceived or realized, it's either perceived or realized injustice, abandonment or trauma in a relationship. And if you've walked any time on the earth, you've had some relationships probably that have gone a little bit sideways. Some may be more significant than others. And so if we don't deal with this, it will manifest itself as a disconnection or a distortion in our relationship with God and with other people. 
And the way I see this is it can actually produce a, a dead zone or, or like a loss of, of feeling in an area of our life so that we, we maybe don't, we're not able to perceive or feel things like we, we once did in an area. It's like having a blind eye or losing a finger that no longer works. It limits or distorts our optimal relationship. And what I want to declare today is that God wants you to have the full measure of the best relationship that you can have with him. So how do we recognize maybe some symptoms of a orphan spirit? Well, it could be that you never can seem to gain ground in your life. Always feel like you're struggling with this issue or that issue. That you always feel like you're just in a place of defeat. You see, whether that's real or it's perceived, it could be the sign that you're, you, you don't have a proper understanding of how God relates to you. Believe that God does not hear or care about your prayers. Uh, maybe there's been some moments in your life where you felt like that. That is where we take on a bit of an orphan spirit. How about this struggling to be happy when other people are blessed? <laughs> you see, it can manifest itself as a critical or judgmental spirit. Oh, look at that person. I don't know. Oh, they, they do, how can they do on that? Look at the clothes they're wearing. Look at that car that they're driving. Man, you know, if they gave that to the, to the food bank, we'd be able to feed people. Feel you never get what you deserve. You're always being cheated in life. It creates continual anger or frustration. Another way is you routinely feel alone or isolated or that you cannot have nice relationships. Maybe you've been in that place where you just feel like, well, nobody really likes me. <laughs> maybe you say it a little bit or maybe you say it a lot. It could be a constant fear that God wants to punish you, hurt you, or restrict you. Or that you see correction as rejection. It's a victim mentality. Anytime somebody comes and says, hey, you know what, that wasn't so good. And it just destroys you. Maybe you believe you deserve bad things. Because you're, you're, you, you just aren't that good and you've kind of taken on that man, that, that place. Or I, I like to describe it like this, that, that you look at people and you look around at, at what's going on in the world and you say, you know, I, I just, I don't get the good things. I maybe if I just get a little bit of the scraps, it's okay. See, that's how an orphan thinks. See, in Genesis chapter 37, we see the birth of an orphan mindset. It is the beginning of the story about Joseph, the second youngest of 12 brothers. Now, for those who've grown in a family with any siblings, let alone 11 brothers, you know that there can be a lot of fun with the big family, but as well, there can be times when there are disagreements and even some intense fellowship or fighting. And I've got to say this as an older brother, how many uh, oldest siblings do I have in the audience today? You, you would respond to that. You, you're going to probably agree with me. The, the, the babies here are probably not going to feel the same way, but uh, little brothers sometimes can be the worst. Getting in the way of your friendship or fun or the great injustice of getting away with everything, right? Do, do the youngest always get away with everything, right? Come on, come on. Nobody knew my message today was gonna to create great division in the house of God. <laughs> From my perspective, the youngest siblings always tend to have it easy because they are spoiled. See, that's the mindset of a true brother. Older. 
Well, Joseph's brothers, listen to this, felt the same way about him and for good reason. Let's read what it says in Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse three. It said, Jacob, who is Joseph's father, loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them and they couldn't say a kind word to him. Going down to verse 18. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. And as he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer. They said, come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him and then we will see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. He said, let's not kill him. He said, why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he will die without our laying a hand on him because Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. I need to give you a little bit of background on the story of Joseph and what is it that caused his brothers to hate him? Well, obviously their dad favored him. We see that, don't we? But the reason that he favored him, we have to go back to the story of Jacob, his father. And, and, and Jacob um, ended up marrying two sisters named Leah and Rachel. Actually, he was tricked into marrying Leah. If you want to go back and read a fun story, I talked about it at our last leaders meeting that he uh, went to bed that evening, thought he was going to be with Rachel. There was a switching of the ladies and I don't know how he didn't know that, but hey, the, the wine must have been incredibly good. And he woke up and there was Le Leah. And the Bible says that Jacob loved Rachel, but he tolerated Leah, even though she blessed Jacob with six of his 12 sons. And here's what happened. It says in Genesis 29, 32, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her room, but, but Rachel remained childless. So here we have one sister who's unloved, but she's getting blessed with children. And the one who, who, who Jacob really loves can't have children. But eventually the Lord opened her womb near the end of their lives. And she gave birth to Joseph, Jacob's 11th son. Now, the Bible says because Joseph was born to him years later that he loved Jacob more than any of his brothers. In fact, he loved him so much that he made this magnificent coat. Now, here's the problem. Because of this act of favoritism, it created pain and strife in his older sons. And this unresolved frustration led to jealousy and envy and even hatred towards their own brother so that they were willing to kill him. That's pretty intense. And I think we need to be aware of this. When you play favorites or compare one child to another, it always leads to pain and strife. Now, because of the injury caused by favoritism, listen to this, Jacob unwittingly opened the door for an orphan spirit to grow within the hearts of his older sons. You see, they were, this was the family of destiny, folks. 
We are sitting here today because of, you know, the Bible talks about our forefathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is our family. I love what Jan shared today about the people that we look at as the great leaders. They all had some major issues in their life. And so we see that there's this issue, this, this family that was, that eventually that our, our whole faith was birthed out of through them. We, we have this issue with them that they hate their young, one of their youngest brothers because their dad is playing favorites with them. You see, we have to understand that we're not called just like they are to be orphans, but we are children of God. But if we're not careful we can take on like Joseph's brothers did, an orphan spirit mentality where we don't see ourselves as favored by God, but we look at ourselves as less than. So here's the difference between an orphan spirit and a spirit of sonship. And when I speak sonship, please know ladies, it's daughtership, it's all of it. We're, it's that the, the God loves us as his children. So here's my, 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 my main point today. Orphans strive, sons thrive. You see, the orphan spirit operates out of insecurity and jealousy, but the spirit of sonship functions out of love and acceptance. One of the biggest reasons that there is disunity in families, including the church family, is because people have strife or they don't get along. They start fighting with each other. One of the things that I learned uh, through the pandemic season is there's a whole lot of more things that we, were, uh, we began to fight with each other over. We began to take sides on issues and, 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 and we, we began to form opinions about how we saw different things. And the problem was is that it led to strife. You see, people fight and attack one another because they believe that others are taking something away from them. Because they are afraid of being left out or abandoned, they lash out at those who they see as an obstacle many times to their acceptance. They struggle with relationship because they see most people as threats to their place or their position. You see, when you know that you are loved and accepted as a son or daughter, you walk with peace with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It doesn't matter. Most things don't matter. You fight for unity because you understand that unity is what releases the blessing. You go from being an individual who's always trying to, to prove themselves as right or to make your own way known. And you say, no, how do we begin to work together? You rejoice in the success of people because you are secure in who you are and you understand that it does not take away from your destiny. But here's the other part of the orphan spirit is that it does lend to be jealous of the success of other people, especially brothers, where mature sons and daughters are committed to the success of one another. You see, orphans struggle to be grateful when others are blessed. They see promotion and blessing from others as a demotion and an obstacle to their success because everything is in limited supply. See, if something good happens to somebody else, that means it's, it's being taken away from me. So if that person is blessed, that means that I'm not gonna get the blessing because they're getting the blessing and there's only so much that can go around. And if I don't get as much as I can, somebody else is gonna take it. But that's not how God's kingdom works. We serve the God who has an infinite supply of everything we need. 
He has an infinite supply of, 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 of resources and finances and provision as we, as we seek him. Can I say this? That God also has an infinite supply of what I would call priority positions for his sons and daughters. I see sometimes people see like, oh, well that, well, that person is on the worship team. Well, I guess that means there's not a place for me. Oh no, we need more people, more opportunities. Man, if we get too many people, man, maybe we gotta go plant a church or do something somewhere, I don't know. See, there's a lot of opportunities in the kingdom of God. You see, others, as others, for the sons and daughters, as others receive promotion, they look forward to promotion themselves because they see there is an abundance for everyone. Here's my next point. Orphans compare, sons declare. One of the great roadblocks to growth in my life for many years is looking at what others had that I did not. Now, I talked about initially like resources and finances and job promotion, but it's not just about resources. It's things like opportunity, relational favor, and maybe even looking at people and saying, well, they haven't had it as hard as I have. And we see those setbacks or those difficulties as somehow they've kept us maybe from moving forward. I realized that I began to develop an attitude that, that everyone had it better or easier. And this morphed into, you know, well, I just can't, I can't move forward because I don't have the opportunities or the privileges that other people have. And I'm not able to do that. And it became an excuse in my life for a season where I just felt like I couldn't move forward. I was paralyzed. Especially if there's risk involved. And so I began to take this out of, well, if, if, if only this did not happen, if only, only if my, my parents, you know, when I was born would have, would have stayed together, only if they, if they would have had this, if, I, if my grandparents would have embraced me, if I could have had the, the resources of my aunt and uncle, if I had all of these, if I had those opportunities, then I'd be able to do what it is I could do. I gotta tell you this, God is not moved by a woe is me attitude. <laughs> Why? Why would he not be? And it's not that he doesn't care about our challenges and our difficulties. Oh, he does. But he says, I'm here to help you overcome your challenges and difficulties. I, I, because I'm your father, I've got what you need to, to push you through those challenges and difficulties. Because, I'm the, I, I, because I, I love you, I'm gonna help you persevere and, and, and actually rise out of those challenges and difficulties and you can become everything that I've determined that, I've, that you're supposed to be. You see, faith is what touches God's heart and moves God's hand. And faith is what changes people and situations. You see, sons, sons and daughters declare the truth of God's word. Why? Because it releases faith. Some of you just gotta get more word of God in you, more Bible in you, more declarations. What does the word of God say about you? Sons and daughters make bold statements because it motivates their faith. Faith is the currency of the kingdom and the attitudes and sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Here's my third thing today. 
Sons ask, orphans beg. A couple months ago, I was listening to a podcast and the Lord dropped this thought in my heart. He said, sons ask, orphans beg. And it was one of those moments where like I heard a word, it wasn't really in the context of what they were talking about. It was like God all of a sudden just triggered something in my heart and my spirit. And I began to hear this thing. And so I, so I asked God, I mean, you know, I asked him what he's saying. I'm like, uh, God, are you saying that to me? Is this for me personally or uh, something you want me just to teach the church? And he said, no, I, I'm, I'm speaking to you. I realized how often that I had this belief that if I just prayed harder or repeated my requests a bit louder, that somehow God might be motivated to fulfill my requests. I didn't realize that I was coming to God like he somehow couldn't hear me. You know, it's like when you can't speak a, a, a foreign language and you're with somebody that you, some, you see people all the time. It's like if they're like, hey, I'm gonna yell louder. That doesn't help. I'm just gonna tell you that. <laughs> See, I realized that I was coming to God like he couldn't hear me or maybe he didn't wanna hear me so that if I, I begged a bit more, I might cause him to cave into my request. You know what we call that? It's called manipulation. And then the scripture was dropped into my heart. It's, I mean, I've read it a thousand times and when I read it to you, you're gonna be like, oh Yeah. It says in Matthew chapter six, when you pray, verse seven, don't babble on and on as Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered by merely repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy or hallowed be thy name, most of you here. Now, does this mean that we don't pray? No. Does it mean that we don't ever ask for things? No. Does it mean that we never ask again? No, but we have a different attitude. We have a different mindset in the way that we look at things. We don't, we don't come to God with, man, I, if I, I just got to work everything up. I got I to slap myself silly. I got to get things worked up because if I, if I get, get the, the, the prayer lather going, that's when God's really going to hear me. Like somehow I can't just hear, God, I, can, I, need, I need your help. Can you help me? You see, when we understand that he's a father, we, we, we realize that, that, that he just wants us to come and ask him, what, what do you want from your kids? What do you want from your children? Just ask me. Don't beg. I don't like it when my kids beg, but when they ask, you see, sons and daughters don't pray like they approach the Father with confidence, asking him for what they need. Hebrews 4, 6, approach the throne of grace with confidence. Children ask with confidence. Why? Because there's relationship. They don't hope they will get a response. They ask knowing they will receive a response. Now, it isn't always the response that we want. See, sometimes in Christianity, we think that that we, everything we ask for, God's just gonna, it's like waving a magic, whoa. I don't know about you, it hasn't quite worked like that for me. 
But when we understand the father heart of God, we understand that he looks forward to blessing us when we approach him by faith, that he does wanna do more for us than sometimes we even believe that he does. Here's my last point. Orphans see themselves as victims. Sons and daughters see themselves as victorious. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, orphans can't stay away from offense. They wear it. They declare it. It's all over them. And, and maybe, maybe you've been in this place, and I hope that you're not, and maybe you've been around people that are, but, but I'm, I'm telling you that God doesn't want us to live our lives like we're victims, that we're always offended. Did you know that if you're always finding that you're upset or offended with people, it might be a sign that the orphan spirit is rubbed off on you. You know, I can't, I can't believe that guy cut me off in traffic. I'm so offended. You declare it. I've got to quit declaring that. Can you believe that the waiter or that sales rep, I, I mean, I, I walked into the store, they didn't even look at me. I'll never shop at, again, I'm offended, because you're offended. That show offends me, that music offends me. Yeah, I mean, we can go on everything, we're offended. Now, I'm not saying you have to like things, and there's a lot of awful stuff out there and music and shows and all that things. And you can go, you know what? I don't, I don't think that's all, but it doesn't need to offend you because that person that's always offended, who wants to be around that person? Ugh. And whether you use those exact words our attitudes and actions many times when we're carrying that victim mentality, just speak that we're, ugh, we're offended. You see, those with an offense mindset and vocabulary eventually, listen to this, I want you to hear this, become magnets for slights and injustices. It's like they just, they find you. It's like, ah, you're, you're, you're like even, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna feel that. And all of a sudden you're just like, boom, it hits me again. And here's another thing. Why? Because you've been speaking that and declaring it and living it. We reap what we sow. It's just, it's a principle. You see, I want you to hear this. If you don't hear anything else today, being offended is a choice. It's a, it's a, it's a, a decision that we make. It's something that we, we choose to agree with. A choice that we have to understand this that creates separation from God in other relationships. See, God sent Jesus down to earth to die on the cross so that we wouldn't have to live with offense or hurt or wound or sin or whatever it is. He, he paid the way for it. But if we stay in offense, it creates a spirit of entitlement and injustice that somehow the world and even God, they owe me things. <laughs> because I have not received what I think I deserve, I have the right to be hurt and annoyed. You see, or orphans, love to be victims. They love to blame everybody but themselves for their problems. I threw this in my notes. I wasn't sure, but I feel like Holy Spirit's saying, share this. One of the things I've seen in, in, in church life that hits people all the time is even this. Those who are waiting for people to reach out to them and are offended when they don't. Oh, you never called me. 
I didn't know that you needed a call. If you need something, this is a principle of the Bible. I want you to hear this because this is how sons and daughters behave. If I need something, I ask for it. I don't believe that somehow that by cosmic osmosis that God's gonna drop things in, in people's hearts. It, 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 I'm telling you, it's the, it's the key to having a successful marriage and relationships. Don't assume that people just understand what you're feeling and thinking and that you're waiting for them to come to you. No, if you need something, you go to them. See, Joseph's brothers felt they deserved the favor that Jacob gave to Joseph. And because they did not receive it, they became offended, not with their dad, but with Joseph. It's crazy. The Bible says this in Proverbs 19.11, it, it is to the glory of man to overlook an offense. You see, we, we, with God on our side, with Jesus in our life, with his love surrounding us, we are so much stronger than we think that we are. And God says that when you can, you can overlook an offense, when you can make it so that every little thing doesn't bother you, when you can have even somebody, you know, kind of snub you a little bit and it doesn't create a big reaction in you, the Bible says that, it, that God's, that you are... It's to your glory that God is actually, I want to say this, that God actually is glorified in you as well. You see, sons and daughters are able to overlook slights and injustices because they know the Father loves them. Oh yeah, that person wasn't nice to me. God's like, I agree with you, but you know I love you. Okay. You know, that, that, that wasn't really cool. What happened? I didn't like it that the lady at the store yelled at me. Yeah, that wasn't cool. I agree with you. But you know, I love you. I'm with you. We're going to get through this. You can do it. And Jesus isn't asking us to do things that he didn't do. He was an innocent man that, that took on all of the sins of the world. He took on all of the, 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 the things that we have seen as attacks and injustice. And he still forgave. You see, sons and daughters have a life that is filled with, a, with gratitude and an allow them that, to, that allows them to push and an attitude that allows them to push through any challenge. They know they will overcome because God is on their side. Romans 8, 31, if God is for you, who can be against you? You see, true Sons and daughters embrace that they belong. They know they are part of the family. They know that they are loved. When you belong to God, you don't have to worry about your position, your portion, or your promises because your place is secure. It's already secured. You just have to learn how to walk it out. And you might have to, to, to grow into some things. You might have to figure out how to... to, to take on more responsibility. You might have to get a little bit stronger before you can take on the mantle of everything that God has for you. And because he loves you as a son and a daughter, he doesn't always just drop everything on you because he knows that it would crush you and kill you because you have to grow into it. Because you're not an orphan, but a child of God, you have identity genuine relationship and an eternal inheritance.
You no longer need acceptance or approval from the world because you've been validated by heaven. Woo! We serve an awesome God here today.